Amen. Good morning, everyone. I pray that we are healthy, contented, and loving the Lord deeper than yesterday. And as we continue our theme of all in, let's turn our Bibles to Exodus chapter 4, reading from verse 1 to 17. Exodus chapter 4, 1 to 17. So some background before I start reading so that we get in context. In chapter 3, God appeared to Moses in the burning bush. God called Moses, and Moses said, here I am. He said, take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. God explained that his people are in misery, and he is concerned about their suffering. So God instructed Moses, go to Egypt and save them. Moses asked, well, who's me? God's basic, basic response was, it doesn't matter. Moses' second question was, well, if the Israel asks you, who are you? God responds, well, I am who I am. Now go to Egypt. And then from there, we start in chapter 4, reading from verse 1. And it reads, all there? Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, Throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand into his cloak, and when he took it out, the skin was leprous. It became as white as snow. Now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe the two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and teach you what to say. But Moses said, Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. <laughs> then the Lord's anger burned against Moses and he said, what about your brother, Aaron the Levite? I know he can't speak well. He's already on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth, and it's as if you will go to him. But take this staff in your hand so you can perform the signs with it. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Almighty God, we thank you for this script. And we know that every time we read this script, there is something always interesting, something always new, some revelation that happens that 
probably 10 years ago we didn't see, but we know that as we read today, it becomes relevant in our lives. We pray that as we look at the scriptures, that we are touched by it. We learn something from it. We, we, can, we can leave here adding something to our lives so that we can be closer to you in a different way or even help someone in a different way. And we pray that as you help me just read the scriptures and preach today, that, um, you know, that you use me to inspire your word and help your word, you know, just talk to each other at this time. I thank you, and I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is a conversation between Moses and God, and you get the idea that God has a plan for Moses to execute. But some of Moses was doubting and resisting God's plan. And because there's only two people in this story, it's a one-on-one -on -one conversation. Moses' first words were, here I am, and his last words were, send someone else. And that's the title of the message today, here I am, send someone else. Have you ever been in a meeting where some people are missing and there's an action to be taken and somehow everyone is looking at each other, well, not me, not me, and whoever is not there somehow gets the action? You know, it's like, well, <laughs> you know, Max not here, so <laughs> let Max do that. All right, we'll let Max do that. And, and that do happen in, well, in church, but even in work as well, whoever is not there gets it. You know, sometimes taking responsibility for something Sometimes we kind of go through a whole mental gymnastics in our head and realize, nah, boy, I can't do that. And somehow as you go through the scripture, we, we kind, of, kind of see what's going on with Moses and how God approached it and how we can probably learn from this whole interaction. And I believe God has a plan for all of us in church and a role for each of us to do something. And it's for us to really take it up and find out about what it is and go with it. So, um, a first point that I'm going to use here is, God can use whatever you have. I normally ask slides. Are doing something different today? <laughs> what is that in your hand? Now remember, God never asks questions because he lacks information. God uses questions to force us to confront our own hearts. And he questions us not because he needs to know and understand the truth of what's going on. Though questions, God forces us to turn our gaze on ourselves. So when, when in the beginning, when God asks, where are you to Adam and Eve? It's not that God did not know where they were, but for them to look inside themselves and really check out, well, where am I? What am I doing here? And many questions in the Bible when God asks, it's not because he don't know. It's more for us to check ourselves and realize that. So when God asks, what is that in your hand? Obviously, Moses was like, well, a, a staff, duh. And I know I'm adding some, you know, <laughs> emotions in it, but the, the conversation was very real, you know. A, a staff, what else could it be? And when he threw it on the ground, what he knew as a staff ended up turning into a snake. Which means it started having some kind of conflict because I know what was in my hand was a hand, a staff. <laughs> and hence, God asked the question for him to know, are you sure that's a staff? Yes, it's a staff. I have no doubt. Boop, snake. And God might be asking you even now, what is that in your hand? And it could be 
a water bottle. It could be a pen, pencil, Bible, notepad, phone, $2, $10, a car, a cup of tea, wallet, tablet, computer, you name it. What is that in your hand? It can even go to a voice, a prayer, experience. What is that you have? And whatever it is you think you have, God can do even more with it. And he starts off with things that you think you have first. And when we start realizing well, what we have, if we think about it our own selves, we might just say, well, we have something little, something small. It can't do much. But when we place it in God's hands and let God do something with it, it becomes a big, miraculous thing. So this staff which Moses uses was powerless. But it taught everyone, or at least Moses, God can change some things. It was similar to even when Jesus was with his disciples, with the 5,000, and he would look at the disciples and say, well, you feed them. And they were like, well, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. And one of the guys inside here, Andrew, he was like, well, if we work out the mats, this is not going to feed 5,000 people. I mean, duh. And we could have that attitude with Jesus. Oh, God, you know, duh. I mean, what are you trying to do? But here it is when Jesus, after he explained and asked the question, he was able to take the five loaves of bread and feed 5,000 with extra 12 baskets full. So when God asks, what is that in your hand? You know, we already had to look at ourselves and find out, well, what God can do with it and not what I can do with it. And even when you reach here and you want to give the contribution, God can do even more. If you think, well, I have no money, God can do something with that also, which I will kind of talk about a little more. So let's start with what we have and place it before God and let God do something with it. Amen? The next thing God says was, well, put your hand in your cloak. I, I put it in my pocket, but I don't think I have pockets there. But he put it in his cloak, I guess, somewhere in his chest. And when he removed it, voila, his hand was as white as snow. God can assuring that I'm in control of even your hands. Not only what's in it, but even your hand itself. I'm in control of your body. I'm in control. And he was doing these things so that he can prove to other people who, when he arrived in Egypt and they don't believe him, that God is the one who's in control. So Moses, wow, amazed. He's like, great. Still again, using what is in his hand. Nothing. But he did something. Even if I have nothing. And then lastly, he said, well, on the, last, the first two was something he was doing with Moses. And the third one, just to prove to the other people, you have to go to Egypt to prove the third one. Just in case you don't want to go to Egypt because it seems as if he's resisting. And until you go to Egypt and take water from the Nile and pour it on the ground and it turns to blood, then the people would start believing. So you might be thinking, well, that is interesting, Juvi. God has done miracles to Moses. And he showed some big things, but today I know, I don't think if I pour water here, blood will just start happening. Or if I throw this on the ground, it will turn to a snake. But yet, God used the Bible 
to show us all his miracles. He had the word of God passing from generation to generation, just showing his power and his account that we don't really need big miracles, but it's there for us to get strength, to get courage, for us to know that hey, if this could happen before and I believe it can happen, then I can do anything God asks of me. And he has given his testimony of the most powerful miracle in history, which is the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And this testimony is so certain that Paul was willing to rest the entire Christian faith on the truth that Jesus' body raised from the dead. So as we look at those things, don't expect big miracles. I mean, big miracles do happen. But we have the word of God to help us go forward. And when we start with what we have, we can do something. You know, that's how I start playing the guitar. I, I, I also, when I saw a guitar there with two strings on it, I was like, Mommy, who is this? She said, Nobody, um, I just get it from somewhere. I was like, All right, what are you doing there? Okay. Well, if it had two strings, <laughs> I could do something with it. And I just pick it up and I start learning for myself. <laughs> I went down by shit music, and, but I could have read music before. I just start playing by myself and I do something. And hence, now I go play guitar. But it started from nothing. All right? Well, thank you. <laughs> all right? I'm not a big singer. All right? Uh, I don't know if you all know that. <laughs> but I've seen this now. I've been going some singing classes. And when I'm driving in my vehicle, I end up buying a Bluetooth radio so that I could do some drills. And when I'm driving, I do some drills. So who knows next year? I might improve. But I, I know I, I'm doing something. <laughs> you might tell yourself, well, your friends far and wide, but we have WhatsApp, Facebook. You possibly don't need to wait till a friend end up in front of you, but you can use what's in your hand, your phone, and share your faith. All right, and you know, just use simple things like that, what's in your hand. Amen? Moving on. Second point, reasons or excuses. In verse 10, Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past, nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. So what he was giving here, a reason or an excuse? It's interesting how, why you saying I have never been eloquent, but he said neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servants in the last five minutes conversation. As if, my God, in the last five minutes, nothing changed. <laughs> Snake, <laughs> leprosy, but my mouth didn't change. All right, I'm still not able to speak quick or well. And God is like, well, so, who gave humans those things? You know, excuses and reasons, I kind of went, you know me already, going on definition to kind of figure out what's the difference. Now, they both kind of start off the same. And the definition is a cause or explanation or justification for an action or event. That's the definition of a reason. An excuse, a reason or explanation given to justify a fault or offense. An excuse 
seek to lessen the blame attaching to the fault, mistake, or behavior, or offense, and excuse somehow release someone from an obligation, duty, promise, or requirement. So when someone says, please excuse me, they're gone. They, they, they're excused from whatever is happening there. That's physically at a table, physically. But when I excuse, some of you try to take the blame and say, well, it's always something else. The sun rise up 6.18 this morning and not 6.15 like how it did three weeks ago. Oh, yeah, that, that, that's real silly, right? <laughs> but, but, but some of it's always something else and never you. While a reason tends to kind of give a person to cause some proactivity in their life. So two people might say, well, I, I am blind. One might say, the excuse, I am blind, therefore, I can't play the piano. And someone might say, well, because I am blind, I can play the piano. All right, starting off there. A reason implies that fault is sincerely recognized and accepted. And personal ownership is there in a reason, but they always look to find solutions. So that's our reason. Excuses exist to justify, blame, or defend the fault with the intent to absolve oneself of accountability. Excuses bring product productivity to a screeching halt. All right? So now that I hope I get the idea, one, one more example. I have no money, or two people, both saying I have no money, but the one with reasons will say something along the lines, well, I have no money, but I might have some flour, sugar, yeast, salt, hmm, I'll go make a bread, sell it to somebody, and get some money. Someone with an excuse would say, I have no money, hence I can do nothing. I'm not when excuses start happening, they, they start trying to take themselves out of it or kind of make it sound as if, well, everything had to stop, I can't do nothing. So though in the beginning Moses might sound as if he was given a good reason, to God is like, that's an excuse. Because I am the person, God that is, can't give humans their mouths. I make them deaf or blind, can't see. I'm the one who could change. So you, Moses, telling me that, there's no reason for me to say, don't go. And I guess that's what Moses was hoping could happen. Now when he said this, God would say, oh, you're right, Moses. You can't really speak well. Oh my goodness, I, I, I picked the wrong person. Sorry, Moses. Um, I, I think Moses was hoping that would happen. You know, we also can't give excuses. Here it is, we are here, I am in the church, but somehow we don't want to do things. All right, now again, our excuse doesn't have to be a lie. It could be true, you know. It could be true. Excuses can't be true, but it's the action that comes after it that makes it the excuse or the reason. And when we look at positive things as a good reason, we look for solutions, not reasons to, well, I can't do it again. Yeah. Oh gosh, I can't sing, hence, I'm not going and sing. It's like, well, shout. You might always say shout. So not singing doesn't mean you can't sing. Shout and say something else, that's no excuse. Once you can't speak, you can sing, generally, all right? If you don't know that, good. Now, never call on him. 
right? You know, Paralympics, I don't know if you ever watched Paralympics, but that's a very inspiring um, time where people who have some handicap are able to do so much more than some people who have everything in terms of limbs. There are people who have one leg and could probably run faster than some of you. They could probably jump higher and they don't use those things to stop them from doing something. Um, and you name it, just, just, just Paralympics, and they, they have uh, many stories of what these people can do. And when I watch all around here, I don't think I see many. So here it is that all of us can do something physically. We can help out. You know, more people say why they cannot change than why they can. Oh, I can't do this. I want to lose weight. Well, I can't because of this and that. As opposed to, well, I, I can't lose weight. <laughs> I just have to change this and change that. Well, I can't get up on the morning and pray. Not, I can't because I worked till 11 o'clock last night or 12 o'clock. No, 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 those things don't stop you from getting up early. <laughs> Ask someone if someone in your home put an um, alarm clock. You know, do something. You know, they, they, when people have reasons, they look for things to show that I can do it. One last example, Abraham. When God asked Abraham, well, go and kill your son, Abraham didn't say, well, I already have one son, you know. Um, why you want me to go and kill him for? I mean, in fact, you promised that. You know, he didn't start making up excuses of why he should not go and kill his son. In fact, in the New Testament, it seemed as if Abraham thought and reasoned, well, maybe God might reason from the dead. And he is going forward when God told him to kill his son. Well, God did promise me that I will have a multitude, so... For that to happen, if I kill my son, he had a reason from the dead for that to happen. And he's still going forward with the reason and not making an excuse and say, nah, <laughs> I ain't see how this is going on. So reason or excuses, when we are here now in the church trying to help out, are we making excuses or finding reasons, how can I help? And, and, and again, the boat can be true, but really check ourselves. Are we trying to take ourselves out of it? Maybe you're tired? Mm, think about it. All right? And I'm really checking ourselves. Again, it, it ought to be a lie. You know, I have some here. I don't have enough time. That could be, the root of that could be laziness. I might feel anxiety. All right? You ain't tried yet, but already you're saying excuse. Oh, well, if I do that, I might feel, yeah, you might. But, but it's not an excuse for you to start and go ahead. All right, let's say, bro, come and do the contribution. Oh, I might feel, I might get anxiety. That might be true. But, but you only know until you start, do a little and, and inch it bit by bit. And I'm sure you'll get there when you look for reasons to go ahead, especially men, you know, in leadership positions. I think a lot of, a lot of men afraid, they feel. All right? It's not original enough. I can't get started. The plan isn't perfect. You know, we start looking at different things that we can use. So let's not use excuses to stop us. And when it comes before God, I don't think I could find one. And, some, and you're going to ask me, or let me know later, was there someone in the Bible who gave a good reason to not do something? And God was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, don't bother. I'll get someone else. All right? Help me out with that. Looking to see if I could probably use the same thing. 
and see if I could get away with God. But it seemed as if God don't take excuses. When he tells you go, you go. And if you try to jump off a boat to drown yourself, he will send a big fish. <laughs> to swallow you, to spit you back out and say, we're going, go. <laughs> All right? So I still haven't found someone who told God, uh, God, something else, and I stopped. All right? So Moses, he tried hoping that maybe God might do something different. But God told him, I'm in charge. I make hands, feet, deaf, mute. It doesn't matter. Go. Reason or excuses. And then we come to the third point. God will help. God will help. You know, he ends off, and, th and I think this was the heart of the whole matter. When Moses realized, well, I gave an excuse, I say this, I say that, but God, like, you listening, boy. So, um, please pardon me, send someone else. And I think basically trying to say, I don't want to do it. Then God gets angry. Now, when you go through the whole Bible, God gets angry at nations. He grieved and he feels sad, but this is one of the first times in the Bible in terms of in starting from Genesis where God was angry at a particular one person. And why would God get angry? Here it is. I'm God in charge of everything telling you to do something and you're just resisting, doubting, <clears throat> and saying send someone else. And from the beginning of the conversation it's like if God is still at him. No, you're the man. You're the man. And even though he said, well, send someone else, it's like, yeah, what? But he didn't just give up on Moses and say, all right, I don't miss you, but you are hard. Your, your heart is hard. He's like, no, things are going to work out. And he said, well, Aaron, your brother, he could speak well. I will use him also. But, but you still the main man in all of this. And while you might give excuses or you're kind of feeling unsure or whatever, I will use Aaron to help you out. And, and as a church, we need brothers and sisters to help us out. And you might be thinking, well, at the end of all this, yeah, boy, Moses, he get away. Like, no. As a church, we are a body. And we can be helping each other do certain things. We have strengths, we have weaknesses. But because we can help each other out, it doesn't excuse us from doing nothing. Amen. As a body, we can all do things together. So here it is. God, at the ending, I know he can speak well, which is Aaron. He is already on his way to meet you. And he will be glad to see you. Verse 15. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak. I will teach you what to do. And this is the help, teaching. When we sit down and we learn something, we, we, we have to have that attitude of, well, what can I do different? 
You know, I, I learned that fail, F-A-I-L, is the first attempt in learning. Nice acronym. That if you fail, all right, well, that's just the first attempt. Let me try again. Maybe a different way. <laughs> the first time when I study, I was only studying one hour. Maybe I should study two hours. <laughs> Maybe the first time when I study, I wasn't using friends around me. I was trying to do it by myself. You know, you do something differently the second time, or the third time, or the fifth. But you know, you, you do something different and you, you learn, you, you be taught by someone else. You know, how, how I get into the scriptures was someone, Kwame Lawrence, showing me the scriptures and showing me, well, what are different things from the word study, the cross. And it's from there, I'm like, wow, I did not know all this was in the Bible. And because someone helped me, I was able to become a Christian. As time goes by, you know, doing teachings and doing Bible talks and campus ministries, when I start learning how to do Bible talks, I start learning, oh, and I always take a first step and I, I start learning not to be afraid to try, especially when you're in front of family. I mean, we might laugh at first, but, but not be afraid to try that this is all part of it. But when you start making the first step, somehow the second step gets easier. The third step gets easier. And when we are being taught by God or by someone else or getting help by someone else, we grow and we grow. And God will send help or use help in some way. And as a church, the average part we can get the help. When we work together, when we pray for each other, when we know that we can come right here and hug and say, well, what's wrong? Anything? Yeah, money might be a problem. All right, well, cool. How about someone in the family died? Well, a family group can help in certain areas like that. I want to ensure that we are getting the help and using the body to help each and every one of us. The children's ministry would need help. And they need teachers to teach the kids. And we can't run away from those things, but really find a reason and a way, how can we make this work? So um, I just joined the kids' ministry, so I had to play guitar. On a, I probably go do it on a Wednesday, but I had to find a way. But play the guitar on a Wednesday, and then go right after and serve. Like, All right. You could get me some, some way. But anyway, it's like, but it took me about a year because at first I was like, I'm playing guitar, I can't do, I can't do kids' ministry. And that, uh, that was my excuse. But then I, I kind of get reasons. like, well, all right, I, I think I'll go work something out. All right, so I'm in the kids' ministry helping out. I, I don't say, well, I can't preach because I'm playing the guitar. It's like, no, when I'm playing the guitar, I'll be using my voice. So, yeah, I could preach, so what do you want me to do? You know, and I put myself out there and try and see, well, how can I, you know, work things out? And it's just having that positive attitude that what can I do to help out? Look for ways to make things happen. God always provides a way to make things happen. And it might just be your disciple, a friend, who would say, hey, you ever thought about it this way? How about like this? So as we come to a conclusion, you know, Moses, he was in front of God, and God wanted to use him. And I believe God wanted to use all of us. But while he was giving excuses, God did not accept any. And he said, you are still the man, you still have to go. And when we read the story of Moses, I mean, this was just the beginning. 
But by the time he reached the ending, he was one of the most magnificent prophets in the Old Testament that people always refer to him. In fact, even if you're a non-Christian, somehow you know the story about Moses. Yeah. Right? That's the impact a guy like that have. I mean, Jesus have a bigger impact. But, but Moses do have an impact. But it starts over with him shying away, doubting. But God still use him. What can God do for you if you just let him use you? So let's not have this attitude of, here I am, <laughs> but send Kwame. No, here I am, send me. What do you want me to do, God? How can I be of service to you? And when we leave here, we are able to find reasons to edify the church, build the church up, and allow the church to mature into Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you very much.